Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code Relevant Radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Hey, this is Kale Clark. Welcome back to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. So good to be with you today. We're looking at St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And St. Paul ta- talks about in chapter 11, this idea of a wild wild olive shoot, an olive tree. And when we think about olive trees as Christians, our minds naturally go to the Garden of Gethsemane, the agony in the garden. It's one of the mysteries of the rosary. Before Jesus enters his passion, he is betrayed by Judas. Uh, the guards are looking for him. And he's having this moment in prayer where he's trying to contemplate, is there some other way? And he's speaking with his heavenly father, but he knows he has to go to the cross. Now, when you when you go to the Mount of Olives, and I love taking people there on pilgrimages to the Holy Land, at the foot of the Mount of Olives, we have the Roman Catholic Church of All Nations. Now, there are many other churches uh, belonging to various Christian groups on the Mount of Olives. But this is an incredibly beautiful locale. And when you enter into this compound, there is a a wonderful garden, many ancient olive trees, just like the ones that were in the original Garden of Gethsemane. You say, why are they just like the ones in the Garden of Gethsemane, Kale? Are they not the exact same ones, the same trees that were there at the time of Jesus? They are not. They are not. And the reason why we know that is because uh, during this great war with Rome, the, one of the great Jewish wars with Rome from 66 to 70 AD, which resulted, of course, in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple being destroyed in a blazing inferno, we know that the Jewish rebels liked to hide in the hills among the trees of the Mount of Olives, and the Romans burned down every single tree on that Mount of Olives so they had no place to hide. So the original trees that were there at the time of Jesus are not there. The ones that we have now probably date to the 12th century AD. Still pretty old. We know this through carbon dating. But with olive trees, kind of an interesting sidebar, they don't have concentric growth rings like you see on other trees when you cut them down. You'll see the growth rings. We don't have that with olive trees, so it's very difficult to tell how old they are without carbon dating. And so this modern church that was built called the Church of All Nations was built in 1924. There was an original 4th century church that was there beforehand. And so when you go in there, it's it's a very moody atmosphere. The ceiling is painted black with stars uh, representing that night when Jesus was in agony, when he was arrested on Holy Thursday. And there's a huge rock formation in, in the middle of the church, very similar to the one that Jesus would have been struggling in prayer upon, what should I do? Now, what's really interesting as well is that if Jesus had wanted to run away, if Jesus had wanted to escape the cross, he easily could have, because all he would have had to do was run into the wilderness just east of the Mount of Olives, and with about within about 40, 45 minutes, he would have been gone, just like King David, the future King David, hid from Saul, King Saul, who was trying to kill him. So Jesus could have escaped as well, but he didn't take that escape route. Instead, he bravely 
face down the cross with the help of his heavenly father. An angel was sent from heaven to strengthen him. And he was able to save us. It's, it's the difference between life and death for all eternity. So it's definitely something to think about this Mount of Olives. And these olive trees that St. Paul mentions in his letter to the Romans would have been very, very familiar to his readers. And what he says in, in chapter 11, verses 17 and 18, and, he, and he's really addressing the Gentile members of the church in Rome. He says, if some of the branches were broken off and you a wild olive shoot were grafted in their place to share the richness of the olive tree. Do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember, it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. And this is a really important passage here from from Paul. Now, I know nothing about gardening, and I'll I'll say that uh, very, very clearly, unapologetically. I don't have a green thumb. But if some of you have ever tried to graft maybe a branch from one tree onto another tree, you know what I'm talking about here. This is what St. Paul is really using as a metaphor. Olive growers would graft older trees by taking shoots from a wild olive shrub, and they bring it over to a cultivated olive tree. And as Scott Hahn explains in his commentary on Romans, they'd make some incisions or bore some holes in the old tree for the new sprigs. And so Paul is using this as a metaphor for the people of God, Israel, in the Old Covenant time. It's that tree that God has planted. And God has not cut down that old tree or gotten rid of it and started with a new plant. He's taken that original tree that he's planted and he's grafted wild wild olive shoots onto it, representing the Gentiles. So the Gentiles are really joined into God's Old Covenant people, Israel. Though the church is called the New Israel, it doesn't mean God started over from scratch. And so really what St. Paul is saying here to the Gentile members of the church at Rome, don't boast over your Jewish compatriots in the church. Don't think that you have somehow replaced them. In fact, you are joining in the blessings that were already given to the old covenant people of God. That's why he says the root supports the branches. So later on, of course, in chapter 15, verse 27, St. Paul will write, If the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them, to the Jewish people, in material blessings. And he's really talking about this great offering that he's uh, trying to take up for the church in Jerusalem. So we'll get get there when we get there. But this is the whole idea, sharing in the spiritual blessings of Israel. That's what we all get to experience because of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. All right, so let's... uh, Look at verses 19 through 22 of Romans 11. St. Paul writes, You will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then, the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And of course, uh, St. Paul is referencing those members of God's old covenant people who have rejected Jesus as Messiah. And if they remain in that state of rejecting God's plans for them in Jesus Christ, they are in eternal danger. 
they can be brought back though, as as Paul is going to mention here. And Paul is saying to uh, the Gentiles in the church, hey, just as easily as some of them were cut off or they cut themselves off from faith, you too can be cut off if you don't persevere. Don't 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 let your pride get in the way. He talks about the kindness and the severity of God. And that's another way of saying the mercy and the judgment of God. God is a, a God of kindness, really his mercy, his forgiveness, but he also is a God of judgment. And so if we don't take up God on his offer of divine mercy, we're going to have to face the reality of his divine judgment. We don't want that. So it's important to get right with Jesus. And then, of course, this whole concept of being able to lose your salvation. Eternal security is not a Catholic doctrine. It is possible uh, any time prior to death to lose one's salvation by giving in to despair, uh, giving in to mortal sin. And that's why he says God's kindness is for you. Yes, provided you continue in his kindness, continue in a state of grace. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. You've got to stay in his friendship. And that's really important for us to know. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. All right, let's look at the next couple of verses here. It kind of finishes with a, a note of hope here in this little section. Romans eleven twenty three and 24. Even the others, if they do not persist in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut by what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? So those Israelites who have failed to believe in Jesus as Messiah, Paul kind of sees them as, as branches that have been cut off. They're lying on the ground. But guess what? There's hope for them. There's hope for them. God can put that tree back together again. And he said, it's actually easier for God to do this with them than it was for you because they they do belong naturally to the tree. It's not grafting in a branch from a different tree. It's from that original natural tree. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Don't forget, as it says in the book of Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, Israel, this is God speaking to Moses. This is what you're going to say to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh and say, Israel is my firstborn son. God picked the Israelites as his children from the beginning, and it was through them that all the nations of the world are to be blessed. So the church does not replace Israel. The church is Israel with the Messiah having come. The Gentiles have been incorporated into the church. God's not starting over. So this is really, really important. All right, now let's go to this final section here where Paul really concludes the argument and he brings it home. Let's look at verses 25 to 32 of chapter 11. Paul writes, Lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brethren. A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And here's the key verse here, verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts 
and the call of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they may also receive mercy. For God has consigned all men to disobedience, that he may have mercy upon all. So this is, like I said, this is the real heart uh, of the argument here. This is the big conclusion here. All Israel will be saved. And, and, and he really makes a big deal of this. Um, one translation says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Uh, I, I don't want you to be wise in your own conceits. Uh, I want to disabuse you of any erroneous notions that you might have. And he, and he uses this expression in many other uh, of his letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. He says, I want you to know, brethren, our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, but they didn't all make it to heaven. They didn't all make it to the promised land. And, uh, and so that's kind of a metaphor for the fact that not all believers will make it to heaven. That's a great tragedy. But uh, th this is something that we'll develop as, as we go on here. And he talks about this, this idea of the mystery. I want you to understand this mystery. A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel will be saved. So this idea of the mystery, mysterion in Greek, and very often this, is a, this, this Greek term is in reference to the sacraments, the mysteries, but also uh, this is the mystery of God's plan with the world. God writes the world the way human beings write with words. And he's got salvation history. This is the story of God's dealing with his people. And so, yeah, he says a hardening has come upon part of Israel, a hardening of the heart. Not, not all the Israelites have accepted Jesus. Many have, but the vast majority haven't. Whether they're hardening their own hearts or God is sort of allowing them to do it, the divine and human interplay, that's not really something we can get into right now. We've talked about that before. Again, the example of Pharaoh. Did God harden his heart? Did he harden his own heart? Well, it's a little bit of both for sure. But God certainly allowed it to happen. And the mystery is, why is God allowing this to happen? Well, Paul says, until the full number of the Gentiles come in, and so all Israel will be saved. And this is really important. The Gentiles have to come in for all Israel to be saved. Now, this is a, a really, really important thing to, to get here. And we've talked about this before. This idea that the way to get all Israel back into the church is by reaching the Gentiles. It's it's a bit of an irony, but again, don't forget those 10 quote-unquote lost tribes of Israel, the northern tribes, also known as Ephraim, they were lost, as it were, out among the Gentile nations. The Assyrian invasion carried them away into Gentile nations, never to be seen again. They mixed, intermingled with, intermarried with the Gentiles, and now it, you can't even distinguish who has Israelite background and who doesn't. But if you reach the nations, and that's why St. Paul always wanted to go to the synagogue and then go to the Gentiles. If you reach the nations, the Gentiles, you will automatically get those 10 lost tribes thrown in. In Genesis chapter 10, there's this great table of the nations, and it divides the, the world outside of Israel into 70 nations. That's why in the gospel, it's really intriguing that Jesus sends out the 70. It's very important. That's, that's almost a foreshadowing of the mission to the Gentiles. And so it's kind of a symbolic number. If you can reach all these nations, you've kind of reached everybody.
and, and this is really what St. Paul wants to drive home here. So you get the Gentiles, you will automatically get all of Israel. Now, it's also true, I think, in, at some level that, and this is this is kind of the, it depends on how you interpret it. You can interpret it this way, and I think that this is also true. I think they're both true at the same time. Some other scholars following the lead of, of, of great fathers of the church like St. John Chrysostom, they also believe that the actual tribes of Israel, all the Israelites will somehow turn back to ethnic Jews, that is, will turn back to Christ, will, will discover Jesus as a Messiah sometime around the time of the second coming of Christ. This could also be true. They, they both can be true at the same time. Uh, Roy Shoman in his book, Salvation is from the Jews, kind of imagines this very much like Joseph, the patriarch Joseph in the book of Genesis, one of the sons of Jacob, of course, how he saves his brothers, saves his family, and then he reveals himself. He's the number two guy in all of Egypt, second in command, saves his family from the famine, he reveals himself to them, and then they realize, oh my gosh, it was you all along, the brother that we had thrown away, that we thought maybe had been killed. You are alive, almost back from the dead, and you have saved us. In some way, this is perhaps how some unbelieving Israelites will discover Jesus as Messiah. It's, it's a great analogy. But nonetheless, uh, this is really, I think, what Paul has in mind. He may have both things in mind, uh, to be perfectly clear about this. So it's, it, it, it can include all the Jews, but also, of course, much more. All Gentiles, all Israel. And this is exactly what God had promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 way back in the beginning of salvation history, God had said to Abraham that all the nations will be blessed through you. Why? Because you did not withhold your only son from me. You were able to trust me. You were able to show that you are the father in faith to your people. And because you didn't withhold your son, I gave him back to you. I didn't let you kill your son. I am not going to withhold my son, Jesus, from death. And he will die not only for your descendants, the Israelites, but for the Gentiles as well. And so all the nations will find blessing in Christ. So this is incredibly important. Nobody can boast here, Jew or Gentile, because God is always the one who does the saving. So all of this is very, very important. And this really concludes uh, this beautiful section in St. Paul about God's plan for Israel and the nations in the church. And this sort of sets us up for the conclusion of Romans, which we'll get into in the next few chapters. He's going to really talk about some very, very practical elements of Christian living, how this message applies in everyday life. And just in conclusion here, as St. Paul says, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Once he gives you a gift, he never asks for it back. And this is why the Israelites, as Scott Hahn says, they kind of have a priority claim on salvation, just like you might have priority seating at a, at a concert or something like that. If they turn back, it's very easy for them to get back in. But even for us as Catholics, this idea that the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable, this divine gift of baptism, sadly, even Catholics can turn away from Christ. And even the Catechism says that those who turn away from Christ and, and tragically find themselves in hell for all eternity, they will still have the indelible, the indelible mark of baptism on their souls. What a great tragedy of an unfulfilled promise 
an unfulfilled destiny. Let's make sure that we keep close to Christ. If we find ourselves apart from him and mortal sin, get to confession right away as quickly as we can and make sure that we remain in the grace of the Messiah. As St. Paul says, we must remain grafted in or else we could be cut off. We don't want that to happen. All right, we're going to stop here with our look at Romans for today. And now let's go to the Faith Explained Q&A mailbag. Let's do it. Okay, let's open up our Faith Explained Q&A mailbag. Once again, you can email me your question. The address is faith, F-A-I-T-H, at relevantradio.com. And this question comes to me from Diana in San Diego, who uses the Relevant Radio app and occasionally listens to Relevant Radio on 1000 AM in the car. And she writes, Hi, Kale. I hope you're doing well, and God bless you, your shows, and your family. I love the faith explained. I binge listen to the show in the evening as I'm a working mom of four, and it's so wonderful to listen to as I'm doing all my typical tasks preparing for the next day after my kids are asleep so that I can pay attention. I used to listen to music in the evenings, but found out about Relevant Radio years ago, and it has been a godsend. I love listening to and learning from this show it's a true blessing that you do all the hard work, gathering information from multiple sources, etc. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and all that you've learned. Well, thank you, Diana, for writing in and, and saying that. That's super encouraging. I really, really appreciate your listening and taking the time. And she has a specific question. She says, I was wondering about a following passage. Matthew 27, verses 52 through 54. Would you be able to provide me with an explanation on what happened here? Where what's up with these bodies of the saints entering the holy city, appearing to many? Perhaps scholars or others have provided their thoughts on these verses. Thank you in advance for answering my question. Okay, so there there are a couple of explanations for these verses here in Matthew twenty seven. I just want to read these to you. And by the way, this is right after the death of Jesus. He gives up his spirit, cries out in a loud voice. And in Matthew 27, 51, it talks about the curtain of the temple being torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shaking, the rocks were split. In other words, there's a big earthquake here. And th these are the verses in question, Matthew 27, 52 through 54. It says, The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. All right, so uh, that's verses 52 and 53 of Matthew 27. So there's a, a couple of views here. There, there are some scholars here who think that this is not actually historical, and there are others who say, no, this is perfectly in keeping with, with possible historical uh, reminiscences here of the, of the gospel writer. Now, you might say, well, why would they think it's not historical if it's in Matthew's text? Well, some people think that these verses were added later by a scribe at some point, that they didn't actually belong to the original version of the Gospel of Matthew. Why do they think that? Well, a couple of different reasons here. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 12, it says, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. Daniel 12, 2 Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, usually these are seen as portending the future resurrection of all people. And some early preachers of the gospel even speculate on who these people might have been. These old covenant saints who were raised from the dead started hanging around Jerusalem after Easter. Some people said, well, Adam was there. 
uh, Job, Moses, uh, Simeon from Luke chapter 2, the old man who uh, saw Jesus as a baby in the temple back from the dead. Well, uh, without without any kind of pictures, how would you even know it's Adam? Oh, yeah, man, that looks exactly like Adam. I saw him on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Um, also, there's a big problem with this, too. Jesus is the first fruits of those who have died. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, St. Paul says that he is the first person to be resurrected from the dead. Now you say, well, what about all the people Jesus raised from death? Well, they were merely resuscitated. And that, that, that could have been what happened to these guys. They, they could have been resuscitated and then died again, but highly unlikely. Some think, well, they may, maybe were assumed into heaven, body and soul. That's also possible. That is also possible for sure. There's also a bit of a chronological problem with this as well, because these guys are back from the dead, according to Matthew uh, chapter 27, verse 52. Many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep or died were raised, but they didn't come out of the tombs, it says in the next verse, until after the resurrection of Jesus. So what were they doing for a couple of days? Just kind of biding their time, ordering Uber Eats, you know, just chilling out. Maybe watching some Netflix and then, okay, now it's time to come out. We can't come out until Jesus is risen from the dead. Well, this is why some people don't think this is historical and maybe not part of the original uh, version of the Gospel of Matthew. But that need not be the case. This could still be very, very historical. And there are a few reasons why that might be as well. Number one, it's in the text. And what we're concerned about here, of course, is the final form of the text. Now, some doubt these um, saints coming alive again because of the apocalyptic nature here, earthquake, tombs being, being split open. But there are lots of phenomena that uh, happen when Jesus dies as well. There's darkness, there's an earthquake. Um, Jesus, of course, did rise physically from the dead. We don't think that uh, is unhistorical. It really happened in history. So why should we doubt this? Why would Matthew be legit historical about the resurrection of Jesus, but not about these guys? Also, there are many scholars who do think that this is historical. Some say that, that really there's a great theological point to be made here, that those who lived before the time of Jesus, they depend just as much on Jesus' triumph over sin, death, the devil, the grave. They depend just as much on his victory as those who come after him. Very important thought there. There's also really no break in the historical narrative here. It's not very obvious Matthew's taking a, a different genre here. And, and, and again, and again, th this would indicate to all peoples that God himself approves of Jesus, that he not only is Jesus risen from the dead as a proof uh, of his person, his message, uh, the validity of it, it's the divine seal of approval, divine good housekeeping seal of approval, as it were. But also, it reminds us that when Jesus died on behalf of others, he could have run away at the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't. He, he knew that he had to go to the cross. He didn't save himself, but he did save others, including uh, all the saints of the Old Covenant time, through his death. And if this raising of saints of the Old Covenant time is a sneak preview of the resurrection of all of humanity at the end of time, it has to be real. It has to be just as genuine as the raising of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. So I don't think we can discount this passage as being real history, in short. 
but I understand the arguments from the other side. Anyways, I hope that that somehow clears it up. It's a very enigmatic passage, but I really appreciate the write-in. And if you have a question for me, you can also send your question to me. The address is faith, F-A-I-T-H, at relevantradio.com. Or you can also try me on the X app. My handle there is at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. I'll be back later today at 5 p.m. Central for the Kale Clark Show, only on Relevant Radio in 23 and a half hours from now on the next episode of The Faith Explained. I'll catch you then. God bless you. Peace.